All right, on today's episode of Breaking News and Cracking Brews, uh, we are back with a, a healthy host of OUA content today, specifically the boys from the Carlton Ravens men's hockey team. Uh, some pillar players from the years in which Carlton made some really good runs into the OUA and uh, the University Cup as well. We'll be talking a lot about that and uh, some endeavors into pro hockey as well. So, as always, I'm your host, Victor Finley, uh, back for episode number four, I think it is, uh, four or five. Uh, time has been flying here a little bit in terms of uh, the episodes. It was about three weeks before I did uh, episode three, so I wanted to make up with that by getting right back at it uh, with another show just a week removed from the last one. So last week's feedback with Charlotte Burke and uh, Bailey seemed to go over pretty well, so I figured I'd bring on a bunch of guys at the same time for another hour or so long podcast again this week, uh, and we'll see how things go. So with me today on the show, we'll get right into, into introductions. Uh, we've got a former ECHL, ECHL All-Star, a longtime member uh, of the Brampton Battalion. Didn't spend a long time in university, but he was here for a good time. Two years where he was one of the top goalies in the OUA, uh, OUA East Goalie of the Year in 1450 in particular, and twice an Italian Hockey League champion. Patrick Colleen, former goaltender of the Carlton Ravens on the line today. Patrick, uh, I know you had a, a short but successful OUA career and you've done pretty well in pro ever since too, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a fun little career. Uh, I, I think it was a good little jumping off point for me to go to Carlton. And, you know, since then I was able to get over to Italy for a couple of years, over to uh, England for one year and Scotland for one year. So I think uh, my time at Carlton really helped, uh, helped me get to that spot. All right, another guy that was a, a big part of the Carlton Ravens uh, during the mid-2010s, and the guy that originally uh, reached out to me to try and uh, set something up here, a former Smith Falls Bears alum, an OUA All-Star, and twice an OUA Most Sportsmanlike player, a Fiju bronze medalist as well, and an ex-AHLer, Mike McNamee on the show today as well. Mike, thanks for doing this. What have you been up to lately? Ex-AHL, a very short stint. <laughs> <laughs> Cup of coffee, man. <laughs> we, we got uh, today, actually. I know yeah. Colleen was there, too, for a little bit. Wilkes-Barre. Yeah, that was an even shorter cup yeah. of coffee, I think. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, like I'm still said, in the drive-thru uh, line. <laughs> <laughs> like Killer said, Carlton obviously was uh, a great spot to be uh, for four years. And uh, since then, I played a year in Germany, a uh, year in Denmark. And uh, last year I spent the year in Wales, actually. So it's been uh, been jumping all over the place, but so far it's been good. All right, and also joining us on the show today, and I, I had to, to shorten this list of accomplishments uh, and try and summarize it the best I could because it's pretty long. Uh, we're talking to uh, twice an OHL champion with the London Knights, a former captain of the Belleville Bulls, one of the last. Uh, but then also a 2015-16 U Sports Rookie of the Year made a complete mockery of the league with 46 points in 27 regular season games in the OUA. Also a Fiju bronze medalist on the same team with Mike McNamee, the one and only Brett Walichka. Brett, thanks for doing this today, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, just get speaking on what Killer said there about, uh, you know, being in the OUA and, and being able to to do something with hockey you know if I was you know if I was to go pro after my first year junior I don't think I was uh you know going to be as successful as I am now and being able to play professional hockey and um you know have those three years at Carleton I, I really learned uh you know a ton and um you know was basically able to become a man through through those three years you know learn time management and and all uh and everything that comes in between there just finished up uh playing in Denmark too right Epspear 
Yeah, it's. I mean, Mac, Mac can uh, testify here, but it's 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 actually a it's, it's a pretty insane league. It's just I don't know. It's just chaos. Um, but you know, this, the, the country itself, I, it's pretty nice. And I, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to have my girlfriend there as well. And, and we were able to, uh, travel, got to see Rome, Berlin, um, Copenhagen and, you know, just have a good, uh, it was a pretty fun year and, and a uh, good experience. All right. Now I saved the best for last on the, the list of introductions here. Uh, this is a guy that, that really had to wait his turn to, to get his spotlight in the OUA. But uh, once he did, he really blew the doors off with a 38 save shutout in his first career OUA start December 2nd of 2017 against the RMC Paladins as a career OUA save percentage of 971. Uh, not <laughs> numbers at all. Of course, I'm talking about Matthew Jenkins. Uh, Matthew, of course, former goaltender of the Carlton Ravens, but still with the organization, right? Yeah, so uh, after graduating two years ago, um, I took on a role as goalie coach for the men's team. Uh, so that's been two years now, and then now I'm transitioning into the women's team as well. So I'm still, uh, still pretty associated with the team, and uh, I, I still have that RMC puck in my uh, my here, so I'm staring right at it. Okay, well, this is good. This is a great way to start the conversation uh, and some of the Carlton memories, because uh, I remember, Matt, when, when you first got the start, because you were the third-string guy at the time. Uh, so were, were you surprised? I mean, it was the last game of the semester, right? And RMC, out of all the OUE teams, they certainly see the most, and especially at the time, saw the most backup goaltenders. Uh, but were, were you ready to go? Because it had been a couple of years, I think, since you had last played. Yeah, I, uh, I tried to always be ready to go, but uh, didn't get many chances to go, unfortunately. Um, but that's kind of the way it goes. But I just tried to, uh, you know, every day just treat practice like a game and, uh, you know, stay, stay as sharp as I could. And it doesn't hurt when you have, you know, good players, uh, as we did at, at Carlton, shooting on you every day. So I just tried to soak it up and, and take every uh, opportunity to get on the ice as, as a challenge. And uh, it translated into, you know, whenever I did get in, it, it worked. I was going to I was going to say if Giller wasn't careful. Jenks was gunning for their spots all the time. <laughs> yeah, Jenks kept me on my toes for sure. Well, Patrick, you and uh, and Francis Dupuis, like, I, I mean, I, I remember at least in the, the, the second season you were in this league and the season I called your games, it was like one or the other every other night, right? Was that kind of weird going from a dynamic where, where you were, you know, primarily a starting goalie in the OHL and I think of the ECHL too to, to basically getting a start every other game? Uh, I think it was a unique experience, but I think it was great. Um, the year before, the year when I joined the team, I wasn't allowed to play. Uh, so I sat out the whole year, watched the games, watched the whole playoff run. And uh, and Frankie took over the starting job that year, and they went to Nationals. And he was uh, he did such a fantastic job being the, the backbone for that team the first year they went to Nationals. So that summer, you know, for me, it was about trying to earn the net back because I knew he was going to come in sharp. Um, but I think we did a great job for... The two years I was there, um, you know, for the most part, me and him took turns. Um, the first year, I uh, played more games in playoffs, and the second year, he played more games in playoffs. But he pushed me to be a better goal. He pushed me to work hard, and Jenks did the same thing for both of us because we knew uh, if we faltered that Jenks was going to come in there and he wasn't going to give up the net either. So it was, it was great to have that competitive dynamic, and, and especially when it's two great guys. Before we get any deeper into the conversation, I almost forgot. This is breaking news and crack and brews. So today on the show, we got Bohemian Pilsner from Brock Street Brewery, the most refreshing street in Canada. That's Brock Street in Whitby, Ontario. Uh, fantastic brewery. I've never had this Whoa. Pilsner before, so I have no idea what to make of this. Uh, anyone else here today with, with drinks on the show, or is it just me? 
I'm not a beer guy, so and I was feeling sleepy, so I got a coffee and Bailey's for. Uh, uh, it's still something. Coffee I mean, at four ten, Mac. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the twist on sleeping, man. Oh, a twisted tea for Matthew Jenkins. All right. Yeah, not not a huge fan, but we got a deal on him, so you got to. I'm on the uh, I'm on the sparkling waters hard right now. So. <clears throat> All right. So, basically, I'm the only one drinking on the job today. Which is, uh, which is fine. That's what this podcast is all about anyway. I mean, how about, uh, I, I guess now we're all in a, a bit of a weird situation, Brett, with this, this quarantine now. Obviously, you just come off of a, a couple of pro seasons, but you're, you're first in Europe. What are you doing now that there's really nothing much to do? Um, you know what? Actually, I, I've, I've kind of been uh, surprisingly busier than ever. I, I, I purchased a home actually back in January and um, tomorrow I'm actually it is uh, our closing day, so I'm going to be moving in tomorrow. So today actually is a ton of packing and, and whatnot. Um, so that's been busy. I've been getting furniture, um, you know, the best I can through Kijiji curbside pickup. Um, but it's a, again, it's not too, it's not, it's not hard work. It's fun. Um, you know, the only stressful part is the, uh, you know, making sure that we're we're there on time tomorrow, and, and then getting the keys. Um, and then the other thing is I, I, uh, I signed on as a, a hockey advisor. Um, so we, uh, with the true advising group, um, the, the guy's name, my boss is Chad McDonald, currently uh, a law student and played at, played at, uh, he played in the East coast and in France, I believe for, for a year there. And he started his own advising company through uh, a professional agency called puck agency. And basically I help out players, um, you know, whether it's OHL, uh, major junior, junior B, um, whatever it be, um, you know, I help them uh, with their with their career process, and um, we do video. We touch on all subjects, you know, related to hockey, nutrition, um, you know, all the good stuff that you need nowadays, um, and basically have that advising role while I play professional hockey. And um, so during this time, other than that, I mean, working out here and there like the other guys, I'm sure, but you know, just trying to stay busy. And you know, once you get that. Once you get, uh, you know, lazy and whatnot, you're kind of just falling behind. And, and you know, I'm, I'm assuming everyone else here on the on the podcast would agree with me. You know, once you get to that point, you know, you're you're behind already. So you may as well just keep, uh, you know, working out, training and whatnot and enjoying your free time while you can. But try not to be too, uh, too lazy there. Well, I, uh, I'm 24 years old, uh, currently unemployed, living in my parents' basement <laughs> doing this podcast. So way, way to completely show me up there. <laughs> really, boy, you know. Yeah, but you got this crack and bruise podcast, man. This is gonna go places. Pretty good. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Uh, also, uh, finding a way to to play a lot of guitar in my free time now too, which segues perfectly into to Mike McNamee, uh, Mike, because uh, I know people, I'm sure, know you as a pretty dynamic hockey player from your days at Carlton, but uh, you uh, have become quite the musician over the years as well, right? I mean, I guess uh, trying to take it as far as I can, really. Uh... Quarantine for me has given me a chance to write a lot of songs, uh, to be honest with you, which is, I think, the next step for me. Um, I've been very, very lucky to get in touch with someone who is uh, making their way through the rock and roll world right now. Um, he's in the band called The Glorious Sons. And he's Great sort band, of taken, by the way. Uh, he's sort of taken me under his wing and helped me write. And uh, yeah, the next step would be recording, I guess. So uh it's exciting for sure uh i don't really know a whole lot about it um but i'm just gonna try and keep plugging away at it for sure 
Yeah, well, certainly a, a great opportunity, I guess, now to focus on that a little more. So for you, when did you first start getting into music? Like, was this something you, you played guitar a lot as a kid or did it sort of happen later uh, in your life? No, I was 20. Um, my uncle had gotten me a guitar for my, I think, 14th birthday. And I looked at him and told him I'd never play it. And uh, he always had an influence on me through music. He played for me all the time when I was a kid. And when I was in Sherbrooke as a 20-year-old, uh, that's when I had the most time. And I picked it up one day, and I guess I never really looked back. And he made, he made sure he played it at every uh, get-together at Carleton. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I was yeah, about yeah, to yeah. say that. Like, how, yeah. how much did Mike McNamee use this to his advantage to be the center of attention while with the Carleton? Oh, yeah. I don't know. These guys can probably answer that. Some <laughs> requests, some forced by me maybe, but yeah. Well, not too shabby. Anyways, you, you certainly come a long way with it, Mike. Uh, I mean, if, yeah. uh, if you look at Mike McNamee's Instagram, you'll, you'll find a number of guitar covers. Uh, some of them, uh, I, I know I did. Now, for the sake of professionalism, I had to do a deep dive today. Uh, a couple he decided to go tarp off for, which uh, is, is an interesting decision. Who, who advised that? Um, that was when I didn't have any uh, guidance in the music industry, so I was doing that myself. Uh, so those are midsummer days, I guess, and just... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll try to cut the, the lower half off, though. Just keep my head in it. <laughs> if you got it, want it. <laughs> yeah, the double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patrick, how about you? What have you been up to now that, uh, that your season's come to an end as well? Because you were playing over, you know, in Great Britain, and then everything kind of comes to a grinding halt. Have you done much here in the, the past couple months to keep yourself occupied? No, and I, and I can't even believe it's, it's been a couple months already. Uh, it feels like I just got home last week. Um, I mean, basically, we got back. We were right in that, uh, right in the middle of it in in England, or in the UK, sorry. And uh, did our quarantine for 14 days. I mean, we're just keeping busy. I, I got a good setup here. I got my two-year-old kid here, my wife, and uh, we got 350 acres up here at the farm, four-wheeler. It's pretty well what we're doing. Spending all day outside, going down to the lake, hitting golf balls into the field, and you know, working out a little bit, but just trying to keep busy. Making moonshine. <laughs> how about you matt because you're, you're obviously still with the carlton ravens has there been a, a whole lot of communication with with you and and the hockey team and maybe the school as well as to what might be happening now uh yes and no like you know i talk to the coaches every once in a while and just kind of check in on on the recruiting side but uh we're pretty much set for goaltending so that doesn't really concern me a whole lot um so, so you're not my, making a comeback is what you're saying <laughs> no no i wish but i'm i think i ran out, out of uh, eligibility i think so um, but no, I just, uh, my days are mostly filled up with just a uh, little bit of work. I work from home. I work for CCM hockey as a sales rep and, uh, and on the goalie side as well. So there's still some stuff to do there. Things have slowed down definitely with stores being closed, but, um, we do a lot of work with the, the CCHL and, and the CHL and stuff. So, uh, there's still stuff to be done for me. So it's not all just sitting around, but, uh, you know, it's definitely, definitely slowed down. And then having no ice obviously just kills the, uh, the coaching business. So just trying to, reach out to guys every once in a while and check in on them and uh, make sure everything's going well. And they're kind of staying on top of things like Wally said. So um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Not a whole lot. So going back to some Carlton memories here, guys, uh, Brett, I, I wanted to ask you about that season that I mentioned in the intro where you just torched the league really for 46 points in, in 27 games in your rookie season. Like when you came into the league, obviously you're you know a good major junior hockey player with the London Knights. Uh, playing a good role on a you know a number of really good hockey teams there was captain of Belleville was this league easy for you when you came into it because it certainly looked that way uh no it wasn't easy it 
yeah, I mean, you look at the OUA and, and U Sports now, it's, it's, uh, it's such a good league that, that, that that's pretty much underappreciated. I think it's starting to get more appreciated as, uh, as the years go on. You start to see more, um, you know, 10-game contracts or whatever it may be, PTOs, ATOs, um, whether it's American League or East Coast, SPHL, whatever. But you're starting to see more numbers, which is really nice to see. Um, heading into it, I'm not going to lie. I was one of those kids that at 20 years old, you know, I thought that I was just going to go straight to the American league and then make it up, hopefully to try to climb up to the NHL. Um, but I remember being, um, you know, not having the best away a year. Um, I, I had gone to Chicago Blackhawks camp the year before and came back and I just, for some reason, you know, a couple games in with the Knights, it just didn't fit. And we had both, uh, collectively came up with the decision for me to find another team and, and try to make it work there. So that's when I got dealt to Belleville. And for some reason, it just, it just didn't work there. Um, you know, we were up and down. We had a really good team, but, you know, it just didn't pan out. And my points weren't that great, but I had, a, uh, I had an American League, contra or American League tryout with Rockford, actually. And um, I remember going to Carleton and trying to figure out, actually, even before I, I had uh, figured out where I was going, I was, I was back and forth between a couple teams and, and a couple teams out east for schools, but I wanted to get a school that I could, you know, have just in case I don't make an American League team. I didn't want to play in the East Coast, um, so I'd have a school. and And Carleton was the one I chose, and um, you know, I I heard about uh, actually, you know, Killer being the goalie, um, you know, Mac probably being my center, um, and you know, Van Strahlen, and then you know, the likes of Gustafson, who I played with, and. <laughs> <laughs> and uh in Belleville actually he was he was already living in Ottawa and he told me how how the you know the city obviously is how the group of guys is are and um and and the program how good it is so you know once I made that decision I show up to Carlton I was living in at Gus's place actually and um I uh we went that was the year we went to Europe and we hit three teams there and, and when I got back I my agent I remember he called me I was in the airport said, hey, you got to go to the camp um, in two days. So, you know, don't even bother going to school or whatever. Just make sure you're working out. And I told him for some reason my gut feeling I had that I didn't need to go to the camp. This is where I needed to be. The group of guys that I had, the coaching staff, um, the training staff, whatever it be, this was a fit for me. And I felt that at that time I had a better chance of developing through Carleton to try and earn that pro contract and that American League contract that I was able to earn um, you know, coming out of it and, you know, I'm glad I picked that, but you know, that first season, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy by any means. I was, I was, I was lucky enough to play with a guy like Mac and, and Ryan Van Strahlen and, and, you know, we just clicked from the get-go and, um, you know, I think I played a game or two with two, with two other guys and then I was on their line and it was just, you know, we would go into games and Mac and, you know, he can vouch for me. We would go into games. I'm not even kidding. Like, we wouldn't have a goal in the third period and we wouldn't stress out. We wouldn't, we'd be down to nothing. And for some reason we would just click and, you know, for the most, for the most part, we both end up getting a point or two each. And it was just, it was just one of those seasons as everything's kind of, you know, it goes well. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get that rookie of the year, but, you know, without my whole teammates, goal, goaltending and, and the staff that I had, uh, you know, that I had that year and, none of that would have happened without any of them. Mike, what about that, you know, first line unit? Because you obviously had a relationship too, right, with Van Stralen. I think you guys played in, in Smith's yeah. Lodge together. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. There was already a lot of chemistry there even before Wilichka showed up to the equation, right? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I played with Vanny for three years, I guess. Uh, one, I think only one year we were line mates. But even then, uh, you know, we had some pretty good chemistry. And, and Vanny obviously has the capability. He had an awesome, uh, you know, last year in junior. Um, when he came to Carlton, I think he was a little surprised at the, the game. His first year, I don't think, went uh, according to his plan. But uh, the next year, uh, you know, Marty had talked to me and um, told, sort of told me that uh, he was going to put Vanny back with me, just sort of to make some space for me and see how that would work. Um, and then when Welly came in, I know we started the year, we went over to Europe, like he said. We actually weren't playing together. Um, but you could just see in Welly's game, uh, you know, at that time, I think probably one of the best shooters that I've ever seen. And um, me being, you know, take pride in my distribution of the puck, I think uh, it was an exciting thing. So when we got back to Canada, I think like Welly said, we played one or two more games and Marty called me into his office and I just said, you know, let me sort of play with that guy. And it took off. Like Welly said, there was just nights, I don't know. It just, it's hard to explain. And you had Vanny, you know, making room for us and getting to the net. And he ended up setting the record for uh, goals as a Carlton Raven, which is obviously awesome. I don't know if anybody will ever touch it. It was, uh, it was a great year and good memories. And like Welly said, we had a great group of guys. And uh, that trip to Europe, I think, personally, uh, brought everyone closer. Uh, it was an experience of a lifetime. And I think you saw it again with Carlton this year. They went back to Europe and, uh, you know, they had a wonderful year. Unfortunately, obviously ended a little early, but uh, I think stuff like that brings guys closer together. Patrick, I'm interested to find out how you wound up at Carlton because unlike, you know, these guys who came straight out of junior went to, to the Ravens and it, it specifically in Mike and, and Brett's case, both had really good rookie seasons. For those who don't remember, Mike McNamee led the Carlton Ravens uh, in points his first year in the league. You obviously had that junior experience too, but then went to, to pro between the AHL, the ECHL. You knew you would have to sit out a year or so. What ultimately led you to Carlton, and did you have any other options that uh, maybe were, were close to materializing for your choices? Uh, I kind of fell into Carlton, um, to be honest. And basically what happened is I just got off, uh, just finished a, an entry-level contract with Pittsburgh, and I was waiting around all summer. And uh, it was a long summer. It seemed to be on a lot of lists, but nothing was coming through. Didn't want an East Coast contract. Just looking for an American League or better. Um, and I didn't have a great last year. It was okay, but it wasn't my best. So the phone wasn't ringing too, too much. And, and Marty called me in June, I think, and uh, asked if I'd drive to Carlton and have a little meeting. And he asked if I wanted to go. And I, and I told him no. I told him I was going to keep playing pro hockey. And I think it was... Uh, the end of August, early September, you know, as the summer went on, it, it started to cross my mind more and more. And I had quite a few people kind of hinting at maybe it would be a good idea. Um, so I kind of came to the decision myself. And I think I called Marty on a, on a Tuesday or Thursday or something. I think four days later, I was in a first year sociology class. Um, <laughs> so it, it happened really, really quick. I kind of fell into it. I think for me, uh, you know, I played in Brampton for four years and I was in Wheeling, West Virginia, Orlando, Florida, Wilkes-Barre. Uh, I was all over the place for seven years there. Um, so it was nice just to set up roots in Ottawa just for three years and have an apartment year round and, and just be comfortable that way. And I had a lot of friends at Carleton too, some of my best friends that I grew up with. So it was an easy decision. 
what's that grind like for a goaltender going into the, the ECHL or the AHL? Because obviously, you know, players go through that, but I, I've always thought it's, it's different for goalies, right? Because the, the positions are, are at a premium and sometimes it doesn't matter how good you are, you know, you have to kind of get in line, right? So did you sort of experience that in your, your first couple of years there and just found that uh, you would maybe be better served to go in and try the university route? Yeah, I think we're all a little bit naive at some point as goalies. Um, you know, I thought I was coming off an NHL deal that I was going to get another American League deal or something like that. Uh, but you learn pretty quick. There's a lot more guys coming into the into the leagues and there are leaving, uh, and the spots just get less and less. Um, you know, I think it was a, f- a funnel effect or something. My agent told me. Just he said it gets the longer you're there, the harder it is to get those jobs, especially coming off a first uh, contract. So. Yeah, I mean, that's ultimately what helped me make the decision to go to school. I, I think I would have probably came to that decision either way to go to school because ultimately it was a smart decision. I'm very happy I made it. Matthew, for, for you here, you're going to need to to do uh, uh, a little bit of, of clarifying for me because uh, in my preparation for the show, there, there's a couple things I found. First, Elite Prospects tells me that you're from Mount Pearl, Newfoundland. Uh, and hockey DB tells me you're from Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. So which is it, if any? I have a, uh, I have a maritime doppelganger, unfortunately. He's messing with my elite prospects page. Oh, is that it? Yeah. So he's uh, he actually played for the same team as me, and he has the same name. No he, way. He no way. Brock- Come on. He played in Brockville two years after me. Okay, so hold maybe on. Maybe three years. Uh, okay, Come I'm on, prospecting man. this right now. Uh, I did just turn that into a verb, but okay. Okay, so hold on. This, this is kind of mind-boggling. I know Matthew Jenkins is not exactly the most specific name in the world, so you're, you're going to have to give me some background here, Matt. Fix your elite prospects for me. I know, yeah. I'm, I'm from Charlottetown, so I've been, in, uh, I've been in Ottawa for the last, like, I don't know, 15, 17 years, whatever it's been. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm originally from Charlottetown, so that Mount Pearl guy is not, uh, not correct. Interesting. The, and they, they the have phone. a listed... As having played at Carleton too. So it's just they, they took two different goalies and put them into one profile. Yeah, just two two guys who are kind of insignificant in the whole scheme of things and just said, you know what, we'll mix them together and hopefully you guys like it. Wow. Ooh, the glue guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the glue guys. This is uh, – well, I didn't expect to do this, but we've done a little bit of uh, elite prospects factor fiction today on uh, Breaking News and Crack and Bruise. We yeah. that. So, okay, then – Fill us in on, on how you wound up at Carlton because, again, according to your elite prospects, you, you played a year NCAA D3, but I don't think that's the case, right? No, no. I played uh, – I was actually on that Smith Falls Bears team as well with uh, with Mike and, and Vanny um, and a couple more guys that went to Carlton too. Uh, but anyways, I was on Smith Falls and I played uh, in Cornwall and Brockville as well in the CCHL. And then uh, from there, my my path to Carlton wasn't quite as uh, as glamorous maybe as some other guys, but it was more of a walk-on thing, but I was just, I was just super happy to be playing at that level. And, you know, I, I remember going for a skate with the goalie coach at the time, uh, Tom Dempsey, and uh, just him telling me that, uh, you know, the coach wanted to talk to me and, uh, and he was offering me a spot on the team. I was, I was pretty ecstatic because I went through a time where, you know, at the end of my junior career, I really, I hated hockey. I didn't like it at all. And, uh, you know, just taking time off, taking three or four months, I, I kind of reignited the flame a little bit and, it makes you miss it and it makes you want to get back in the rink and, and I miss being around all the guys. So um, being for the most part, a local guy in Ottawa, I knew a lot of the players at Carleton and I knew the caliber was going to be really high. Um, but, you know, going in and sitting beside a guy like killer, my, my first couple of years there, it's like, 
you know, I, I was just looking around and saying, you know, I'm happy to be here and I'm going to, I'm going to try and keep up basically. Interesting. Well, we've we got to send out some emails to elite prospects to, <laughs> to sort that out first and foremost. That's, uh, that's pretty wild still to, to me, but uh, I mean, Matt, you, you had, I think one of the, the more unique seats in the house, right. To these, these Carlton teams where the, the university and, and the men's hockey program was experiencing uh, its, its highest level of success consistently. Like it wasn't just one year where they had a breakthrough, but it was a, a number of years where you guys were consistently uh, threatening to, to make the national championship and make a deep run into the OUA playoffs. What was it like just to be able to, to kind of sit back sometimes and just watch the dynamic and, and what made it click in your mind? I think the biggest thing for me was looking around and especially me as a young guy who didn't have nearly as much experience as others. I think looking around and seeing the leadership that we had in the room was like, it was outstanding. Um, especially my first couple of years when there was, you know, guys like Joe Placatus and, and Killer was there and, you know, uh, Lomas and, and all these guys, Tim Billingsley, you know, even now, like when I see those guys, I'm, I'm still kind of in awe of, of the fact that I got to play with those guys. And it sounds funny, but even as I got into my, you know, second, third, fourth year, I, I still found myself even being an older guy looking around and, and, and feeling kind of grateful for, for being able to be in that room amongst those, amongst those leaders. Um, so that was number one. And the other thing too, is I just think Carlton as a whole, their, their program is run uh, as if it were a pro uh, organization, you know, it's top to bottom in terms of coaching staff, you know, the way, um, the expectations that, that are put on the players, uh, I think that's one of the defining factors in, in what makes Carleton such a good program. Um, so, you know, coming from not as an elite background as, as these other guys, I was, I was amazed at like how the program would run and, and how smooth they ran and, and how everyone kind of bought into that system. That sounds like a terrific ad for the uh, Carlton Ravens men's hockey team for any prospective recruits out there, uh, which actually kind of segues quite nicely here. We're halfway through the show, guys, and this is an unsponsored uh, podcast. So I put the message out there to a couple of you guys. If you have anything to plug, uh, feel free to put it in now, Mike. If Specifically, I know I asked you a couple days ago, you got anything to plug on the show today? I'll plug uh, – my sister started her own company. Uh, she does like uh... – I don't know if it's crocheting or custom toques, but she started it. Uh, she's out of Kingston and it's called Milana made. So if you're on Instagram and you know, your girlfriend or mom or daughter needs a toque, it's at Milana made. They're uh, pretty high quality and you know, they're custom made. So that's for her. Uh, Brett, I know your, your brother has a clothing line, right? Well, he's on mute. <laughs> <laughs> True <Sorry>. businessman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, B clutch story there. Um, yeah, no, he's, uh, I think he's four years into it now and he's, uh, he's doing really well, obviously, um, you know, support right now, especially through, through the time. So, um, Instagram it's B clutch. So here's a sweater. A lot of the guys, um, you know, players that I've played throughout, they, uh, they support and, you know, any, any dollar amount is a huge, uh, huge help for him. And, and I like helping him out as well with, with pictures, content, um, and, and he's also got a B-Clutch play workout too. And you go on there, there's workouts, daily workouts that he does, and um, he's doing really well with it. All right, uh, two pretty good plugs there. Anyone else have anything else they, they want to throw on the show here? I just happen to be wearing a, a pretty perfect T-shirt for it, but got a nice family coffee company on the property that I'm at, fluidcoffee.ca there. Wow. Nice. Roasted uh, with solar energy. Uh, so if you want to Ooh, check that out, it's, uh, when you're at home and you're quarantined, you want to drink some uh, world-class coffee, just check that website out. Mac? 
<laughs> very good. Does, very it good with, does it come with the Baileys? Does it come with the Baileys? No, it comes, <laughs> it's sold separately. But it, it mixes very nicely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, Matt, you just ran a great promo for the, uh, the men's hockey team. But anything else in addition to that you want to throw out there? Uh, I guess I'll just plug myself, uh, Jenkins goaltending. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I do a lot of uh, a lot of goalie coaching uh, in Ottawa, so you know if you're ever in in the area, check out uh, my page on Instagram, Coach Jenks. Very popular. It's solid. It's solid, and he's got some good shooters. So yeah, I hire all the guys in the summer to shoot for me, so it's uh, it's a pretty good gig. I like that. Took full advantage of the opportunity and uh, 100% took the spotlight there when it was granted to you. So I, I respect that, Matt. Good move. <laughs> Thank you. Good move. All right, guys, uh, let's kind of move on here into the, the next part. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Carlton. Uh, we've already killed, I think, about half an hour on the show, uh, which is crazy. We are, we are flying by, as uh, these shows tend to do. But, uh, Brett, we'll go back to you. You played for Dale Hunter, you played for George Burnett, and you played for Marty Johnston. Out of those three guys, who was the most intense and intimidating coach to play for? <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know what? I've never been asked that before. Um, That's an awesome question. I can't wait for this answer. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> you know what, Dale is not intimidating. He's, uh, he's the type of coach that, you know, he'll give you a long rope, but if you shorten that rope, then you're intimidated by him. Um, fortunately, him and I had a really good relationship. Um, you know, he really likes hardworking guys, um, you know, guys that put in the extra work and whatnot. If you're not on that list and you might be a little intimidated by him because he will be on your ass but uh i would say probably him least actually um mind you if you you know if you're on the wrong side of something you know you're getting it and that's he's probably has he's he's probably the scariest yeller um but i'd probably put him on third um i was a 21 year old i was a i was no way and i had the captain in belleville so as an older guy in the OHL with George Burnett, it's not uh, not too intimidating. But as a younger guy, I can really see why he would be intimidating. Um, you know, there's stories about him if you wanna if you wanna look around. But um, he can he can scream. Me and him had a couple battles on the bench, and I I swear to God, he loved it. Like he would want me to yell at him, and for some reason, he enjoyed it. I would play more. Um, so him and I kind of had a, a weird relationship, but you know, just Marty, for what it's worth, Brett, I, I too have been yelled at by George Burnett. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. He's, uh, he can scream and he's very, uh, I don't even know. I don't know the perfect word for it, but he's just, he's hard to read. You don't know when he's going to do something. Um, but I honestly, Marty, I got to put Marty at number one. I <laughs> go in there as, even going there as a 20, 21 year old, like oh, my man. first year, I had a great year, but it was like every Monday morning I would go into the room and like the boys go out Saturdays after the games. We win, we win Friday, win Saturday, boys go out after. And like Marty was so good with, you know, make sure you guys have fun, but make sure you show up, be a man, you know, be a boy at night, be a man in the morning, whatever. But Every Monday, and for some reason, him he had an eye on Gus and I, like an ISO cam. And he would just hawk us the entire practice. And it actually became, at first, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. But it came, like, a little more intimidating. But now looking back on it, you know, Marty's the type of guy, and, and he really took me under his wing. And, um, you know, I, I intimidating-wise that he can snap and he can yell. But, you know, he's going to go to war for his guys. Um, 
And, you know, that's what I really wanted when I wanted to pick a school. And, you know, Marty, uh, you know, obviously having a great career now in the American Hockey League. And um, I'm sure he's had to tone it down a bit in, in Manitoba. And, and I got to witness it. And he has. But, you know, he's the type of guy that is always looking to get better, always asking people about, uh, you know, coaching tips and whatnot. He, he's never going to stop learning. Um, and that's what uh, not only keeps you, um, you know, wanting to play for him, but, um, you know, it's going to only be successful for, uh, for him down the road. For, for what it's worth, the story I have of George Brett or George Burnett yelling at me was uh, I used to do camera work for the Oshawa Generals back when I was a, a teenager still for uh, Roger C.B. Durham. And uh, we used to get the shot between uh, uh, the, the locker rooms at the end of the period where in uh, the General Motors Center, as it was known at the time, the opposing team would come back down the hallway, right? And I would stand there with the camera, get the opposing team, you know, coming down the hall. And Belleville had a rough first period. And Burnett came around the corner and looked right at me and get out of my in hall yeah <laughs> i was terrified i you, was you know what terrified you know what year that was was i there or? uh no i don't think you were there because brady austin was on that team did you oh, play with so brady been, yeah i would have been i played with brady in in london actually right um so that would have probably been yeah one of the years a couple of years before me um but no he's he's a big man too and he can oh, uh, huge yeah he stares eh? like he's just like yeah. his stares and yeah. his staring is Honestly, him and Marty are kind of back and forth for me for one and two, but. <laughs> Mike, for, for you, did you ever see Marty Johnston smile? Because I didn't. Uh, yeah, uh, I think, I think in, in terms of Marty's intimidation, um, he, when he sees the level that you can play at and he gets the best out of you, then he expects that all the time. I mean, I feel like a lot of coaches are like that, but I felt Marty was definitely above all others. I mean, I also played for Patrick Waugh, so that was, I mean, the next level. But um, Marty just expected attention to detail and to show up every day. And But sometimes he didn't know when he was going to snap. There was a couple sticks that went over the glass and into the stands and stuff like that throughout the years. But That was unreal. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I saw him smile a few times for sure. I mean, when we won, he'd, he'd get a little smirk. He'd try and hide it walking through the room sometimes, especially when Gus and Welly were screwing around in the room. Marty loved to have fun too. Like, like when he was a player, you get the stories. And, you know, he, he was obviously, I think, a good guy in the room when he was a player. So you'd see him walk through the room and he'd get about two feet from leaving the door and you'd see a little smirk come across his face. And Welly and Gus were looking for that reaction. So, yeah, I, I think Marty was an unbelievable coach. Um, Obviously, he could be intimidating, uh, especially when you didn't know when he was going to throw sticks, but uh, overall, it was great. You know, it's, it's funny because my interactions with Marty, it was almost like I always almost saw him, I think, after a loss. So, of course, I never got to see the, the, you know, the best of, of Marty Johnston when he was feeling great about himself. But uh, he was always, I mean, class A to, to deal with any time I had an interaction with him, too, and <laughs> Uh, I, I know the first time I met Marty Johnston was, uh, or at least encountered him in person, was at uh, the 2016 University Cup. And uh, I know for, I mean, all of you guys, probably not the, uh, the greatest memory of, of what happened at that tournament. But, but certainly for me, that was the first uh, out-of-conference, out-of-OUA conference game I think I had, I had seen in, in U-Sports Hockey was Carlton and Saskatchewan. Uh, quadruple overtime in the quarterfinals and just uh, an unbelievable game in so many ways. But I think what really stole the show uh, was the goaltending. And it was Patrick Lean versus Jordan Cook. 
Uh, Patrick, that seemed like a game to me where like, you were you gave up four goals, but you were still like in this zone. It seemed where for a portion of that game, nothing was nothing seemed like it was going to get past you. Did it sort of feel like that game was different for you, and that you just were able to tune everything out and laser focus the whole way? I, I just want to confirm. Are you sure it was four? I thought it was three. I think that four four three the final is uh, what ice hockey wikia tells me. So that oh, that's no. what I, oh you know what no you're right you're right. It's I think it was two. three two no. You're right you're right it's three, three two. two. Yep. Yeah, that's my mistake. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, yeah, that only would uh, point out the fact, by the way, that uh, oh yeah, you got to get that right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a pretty good goals against average though. Still, seven <laughs> periods of hockey, you only give up three goals. Not too shabby. Yeah, I mean, even though we lost that game, that was. Uh, probably one of the best memories I have playing hockey and even at Carleton too. Um, I mean, from a goaltending perspective, I was nervous for that game for weeks and I wasn't even hundred percent sure I was going to be playing it yet. If I was going to get the start. Um, but I was definitely nervous and I think I let my goal pretty early in the first period. And then in, in between the first and second period, I was uh, in the hallway playing around with a tennis ball stretching. And I think Cavi came up to me, our, our uh, goalie coach at the time, Mark Havlin, and said, like, oh, you're, you're looking hot today. Like, you're looking real good. And I didn't feel like that. So I think I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. You must be right. I must be feeling good. And then the second period, it felt a lot better. And the third period, it felt a lot better. And it just kind of rode the wave. And I was watching uh, Jordan Cook, too. Obviously, he was – I think that was the second year in a row of winning goalie of the year for CIS or something like that. He was having a really, really good year. And he was playing really, really well. And, I'm, you know, I just remember wanting to match every save he made, wanted to make a better save every time he made one. Um, but I, well, I, I remember too, Patrick. He got freight trained a couple times, if I remember correctly. We were thinking, like, are they going yeah, to have Van, Vanny of... ran him over once? I, I think. was going to oh, ask yeah. that. Who was it? I ran I think... him over, man. Was it you? I was, <laughs> okay. on, a, I was on a partial break. I was on a partial breakaway. Actually, it's kind of funny because my dad and I were talking about this the other day. I don't know how it came up. I think we were talking about how it's sad how um, you know these university players with all the COVID seniors how they can't graduate. So we started talking about university cop and then for some reason we talked about i think it was a second overtime i had like a partial breakaway and buddy tripped me and i went sliding right into cook yeah. no penalty no penalty shot i remember marty yeah. you want to talk a good marty story he was losing. <laughs> it was like second second overtime like honestly all i needed to do was really get a shot and shot like put it up because he was down oh man I, i'll never forget that one man when that happened i thought we sort of had them to be honest i was just hoping that he sort of left, and but I thought we rattled him enough, and then I, I'm obviously not. But yeah, that was crazy. Well, Van, Van Stralen's a big boy too, right? Like if, if Ryan Van Stralen's <laughs> yeah. going to run you over, like he's oh, yeah. probably not going to feel good. <laughs> no. Yeah, that was that was a wild game, and and ever since Patrick was that the the longest game you ever played as a goalie? Yeah, I think by a long shot. I think I had about four Coca Colas throughout that game. I was just <laughs> eating like. Uh, Sour Patch Kids and, and yeah. any type Mac, of pop I could. I think I almost passed out after. It was wild. Victor, Man, there's Mac. some crazy stories from that game. Like I just, think Mac and I played – do you remember what Marty told us? Do you I think it was like almost 60 minutes or more. It was something crazy. And Jill, our trainer at the time, Mac and I would come off the bench and we would run to the back. Like we would kind of like – like, this was, like, fourth or third, third overtime. I wouldn't say I was running, man. I was, like, stumbling. We, we, we were, like, wobbling to the back. <laughs> like, you know how you come out? There's, like, you go to the back and underneath the um, – to go to the room, underneath the uh, bleachers or whatever. 
And Jill's just feeding us these mustard packets for electrolytes. <laughs> and I'm just taking them like a kid. And then I'm going back out. Oh, man, I remember being behind the net. My legs seized up. <laughs> and I'm yelling to the D. And I look over to them. They're seized up. And luckily, they ended up changing. I skated from our, behind our net all the way to our bench. And, and literally just crushed like three yeah. mustard packets. And then they scored. I, oh. There was a yeah. There was there was a time like I'd say the last period and a half, I would get off the ice, and Jill had these chairs set up, and I would yeah. sit in the chair with my eyes closed, and I would just wait for Marty to call my name. Yeah, <laughs> that's when I knew you know you had to get back up. But that was it. Like Welly was getting leg massages, and we were basically going with three lines. It was like nonstop, and the yeah. hockey was terrible. Like one oh, team yeah. would get it over their blue line, get over the red line, turn over. The other team would go turn over. It was like. You're playing ping pong, basically. I don't know. I just remember the, the shots started off first and second period just coming like missiles, and then by the end of the fourth and fifth period, <laughs> just the biggest muffins. And I'm thinking, like, automatically, as soon as I let in a goal, it's going to be a bad one because no one can shoot anymore. It's going to go under my arm or something. <laughs> so I was trying to tell myself to slow down. <laughs> Matt, were, were you great. watching that game, like, up in, uh, up in the press box or something? No, I wasn't at that one, actually. It kind of sucks, but uh, no, I had to stay back for that one. So were you watching it on uh, stream? Yeah, we were streaming it back. Uh, there was four or five of us back at home that were streaming it because uh, back then we didn't have the, the funds to send everyone, which is kind of unfortunate. But uh, yeah, I got to go this year, which was nice. Or, the, or last year, sorry. Right. Well, and Carlton gave uh, the, uh, the UNB Reds a real run for their money in that game, too. Uh, but I, just going back to this one in, in Saskatchewan, guys, like, what was the feeling in, in the dressing room after? Because I know there, there had been a lot of context to that, right, where this is a, a program that when Marty Johnson took over, he, he brought it, you know, a lot further along than where it was when he, he first uh, started it. And, and you guys have, have had, in, in the history of Carleton, like the, the Ravens have, for whatever reason, a penchant for these marathon games, right? Like you guys didn't play in this one, but they, they had the longest game in OUA history this year, you know, against Concordia. Uh, I think you guys would have had some, you know, massive battles too against UQTR in the past as well. So, you know, what was what was kind of the the aftermath of this game with Saskatchewan? Anyone can answer this. Um, my memory, I mean, I will never forget. Killer came out of the shower, and he stood about four feet in front of his stall, just staring at it. And I was like, "Man, are you all right?" And he was like, he was like so dehydrated that he was just dazed, <laughs> like he was just staring, like. He was seeing three stalls. Yeah, I was in space for a little bit there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember that too. But like, I think going back to that year, like I said, the Europe trip was really important for us. Um, we had a lot of special guys on our team. Uh, Jenks being one of them. Uh, you know, guys that always didn't get to play, sort of thing, but showed up. Uh, one of them was a guy named Clark Veenstra. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. you remember him. Um, this guy was like, he, he tried out for our team, I think, three years in a row, open tryouts. Marty finally let him on our team. And he became, like, like Jenks did, like sort of the heart and soul thing. And uh, I'll never forget, he sat in his stall and he cried, like, for probably half an hour, 40 minutes with his jersey on. Because he knew, I think, number one, that was probably his last hockey game. Number two, just how special of a group it was. And to see that from a guy like that, you know, who knew, he wasn't going to play professional hockey just sort of summed up the whole thing. And we had a guy, Connor Boland, uh, he was playing with one arm, basically his shoulder was basically separated the whole game. And it was, it, it sucked. It was obviously a great group of guys. And I mean, again, 
that you can't really duplicate and, and to lose it was just sort of made it worse. Now you guys got into the U cup that year because you, you won the third place OUA bronze medal uh, playing game. And uh, Patrick, I'm going to get you to fill in the blank here because there's a specific incident. I remember from this game late in the third period, you guys won it four to one. Uh, Guelph was a chippy team. You guys are absolutely, Carlton's always been a chippy team. I mean, that, that's the reputation for the Ravens um, around the league. Uh, but this, this year in particular, the, the Griffins had a couple guys that no one liked playing against, one of which was Kyle Newber. Uh, and he was a bit of a problem for you right in the, in the, oh, uh, the goal mount. I forgot about that, man. Oh, yeah. I can't get away from it. So, so okay, what happens here late in the third? Oh, it's 3-1 or 4-1 at this point, And... You know, I, I wasn't really playing with much of an edge, and I, I thought the game was over, and there was just, just this absolute fridge standing in front of me. <laughs> and I think they have a bit of a power play or, or maybe just a little bit of pressure. So I thought it was fair play, but all I did was like, give him a little yank on the ankle. I didn't slash or do anything. And the next thing I knew, I was just looking at the ceiling of the ice house at Carlton, and I'm chewing on my own molar because it knocked my molar out. It got me so bad. <laughs> So, yeah, I was cross-eyed and out of it for a little bit. I finished the game. I think there was, like, 30 seconds left. Uh, but that was not uh, I forgot not about that. And I can't live it down. Every team I go to, uh, someone brings it up. My Last year, Milton Keynes, there was a guy who said, were you the guy that got knocked out by Newburn? I was like, yeah, that's me. And then I was sitting <laughs> on the bus uh, this year in Glasgow on the same thing. He's like, oh, Newburn's a good buddy of mine. I'm going to text him, see if he remembers. And all that Newburn sent back was, yeah, and he deserved it, too. Oh my god! I, I took the hands. Wow. I had a quick little chat with the guy. But I mean, I got no hard feelings against him. I, I'm not in a rush to play against him, but I, I got no hard feelings. It's kind of a funny story, man. Were, were you? A, uh... I, I cut out a little bit on that, but uh, in the meantime, my internet wasn't great. But I found the video. If you guys want to see it, I don't know. Oh, I've, come I've on! Seen, I've seen the video. Yeah, the uh, the Guelph guys actually showed it to me a couple of years ago. But Matt, hold it up to the screen here if you can. Yeah, I'll see if, I'll see I think you can share. I think you can share it, Jenks. Well, it's on my oh, phone. It's, it's on his phone. Oh, okay. Hold on. I don't know if this will turn around here. I don't see anything now. Oh, man. Oh, there it is. <laughs> rewind it. Rewind it. Rewind it. <laughs> I didn't see it go back. I missed it. Man, he did clock you. Man, he knocked out my molar. How does it <laughs> molar get knocked out? Oh, I, maybe. I got him in the back of the head. That's my fault. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, Dude, I'm saying the I, there. You had yeah, I'm saying I'm innocent, and Matt pulls out yeah, the uh, video evidence. So, so for those it's, listening on iTunes right now, you you gotta check this uh, this out on YouTube because that's the only way you'll be able to properly see this. Uh, and uh, the the footage really does it justice. But <laughs> yeah, Patrick, killer, I, been, killer, I hooked him in, like in a, the heels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were, were you killer, ever, uh, like a, a physical goalie like Patrick? Because I, I don't think uh, – I, I remember Scott Stager before Guelph. Like that was a dude that he had thrown down the gloves a couple times. But as a goalie, I don't, I don't ever remember you being a guy that was much for physicality. But... <laughs> uh, I calmed down a lot. I was never like trying to be a dink or anything. But I had like 20 penalty minutes my last year in junior, I think. Uh, and they were not, all like, not just puck over slushy. glass, right? No, I, I think maybe only two or four minutes of that. The rest was roughing. Uh, once I went and played pro, I was a young guy. If you did something like that, I, I got jumped once in junior too. The same thing as Nuber. Uh, and then I got a teammate of mine in trouble with um, Lee Salters, who is the oh. same size and and oh. toughness as Nuber. Unit. And uh, 
So Saltis turned around and was trying to do fight me, and one of my teammates jumped in and, and got beat up, and I felt bad. So I kind of just – I calmed down a bit as I got older and slowed down, and I, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> okay, so someone's got to answer this for me. And, again, open to anyone that can explain this. But there are – we've seen over the years a number of really impressive numbers in the OUA, whether it's, you know, Anthony Beauregard, 60-point season at Concordia or, or whatever it is. But I think one of the most – unbreakable records in this league was set a couple years back when somehow Jeremy Fraser put up 179 penalty minutes. How did that happen? This is the Uh, OUA guys. Man, I was, you know what? He was like, and he was on the first power play too. He was like, how many, how many points did he have that year too? I I have no idea, but I I remember because I called one of his games when you guys came to play Ryerson. He had uh, 22 points that year, so he was almost a point per game guy. 24 games and 100. Imagine if he was on the ice. (laughs) Yeah, imagine he was on the ice. I remember, I remember he was a first year too. That was he came there with uh, with all the other first year guys. Uh, That was my first year, and and I remember him being so skilled and he plays the game weird. Like he stands up straight. He doesn't really bend his knees. He doesn't really like. He's just raw talent, right? But I remember, you know, it started to get uh, – and I can't remember, Mac. You can correct me, but I don't know if it was the first year or second year, my first year or second year, but he – every game that he didn't play, essentially, we wouldn't win. And Marty kind of made that that comment to us, boys, you know, there was a couple times where we were mad because he was taking selfish penalties, but Marty kind of reminded us, guys, every game that he's been in, we've won. And that I always kind of stuck with him and, and, and showed that, you know, he will do whatever it takes to win. And, and, you know, yeah, he's in the box. We might have to kill a couple off. But I know that first year he was getting points and, you know, he was setting Mac, he was setting me up, um, you know, and, and he was doing the right things, carrying the puck up the power play. So I he mean, was an in, he's just an interesting guy, I think. Like, yeah. Obviously, like Welly said, uh, supremely skilled as a defenseman, but I think he just had a really, really, really short fuse. And uh, he didn't really like to be treated in any other way than he wanted to be. And, uh, you know, he took exception probably a little too many times and sort of lost his cool. And obviously, uh, man, I'm, I'm sure there's some games that it cost us. But like Welly said, uh, he was obviously a very vital part of what we were doing. Um, and at times, uh, obviously, there's penalties that <clears throat> we don't mind killing off for the guy. So, uh, you know, a fine line between... Um, you know, the right thing and the wrong thing, uh, what he was doing, but obviously he was very important to us. Were any of you guys still at Carlton when Dakota Audrey's went at it with, uh, I think, Justin Doucette on, on Concordia? No, Jenks might have been there. Um, when was that? Yeah. Was, was that? Uh, it was in Concordia, I, I believe. Yeah, I played with Audge last year. I played with Audge my last year. He was... He, I'm trying to remember that. I feel like he, you know, yeah, he fought him, right? Like yeah, seven, 17, 18, because Doucette only played like five games. And to this point, like, I, I think it's maybe the best one-on-one fight I've ever seen in U Sports Hockey. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's a, really a lot of fight. defense. Yeah, it's a good fight. Yeah, they did. They were just throwing them. There was yeah. no defense. So Hasn't doesn't Audrey uh, got a hold of a couple of guys? Didn't he beat up a guy in Queens? Yeah, he's uh, he's had a couple fights actually. There was that one Concordia, and then uh, I think there was one more actually too. Or uh, maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but yeah, at least two or three. Oh jeez. I mean, so this feels my point. This feels my point that Carlton 
like for for a league where we're fighting you know i mean the, the penalties are much more restrictive than they are in, in any of the the major junior leagues or junior a leagues like carlton have, have been a notoriously tough team over the years and uh one instance i remember uh, and i'm sure you guys probably do too i think this happened in thunder bay it was it was against yeah. lakehead right <laughs> yeah so, okay f- fill me in on the story killer was in on that one too I only yeah. have like a vague memory of what happened in this game, but I, I think I posted the video at some point um, back in the day, but it was like five or six guys on the ice going at the same time, right? What happened there? Man, I think we lost that night, eh? We lost bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll take that one because I remember that one pretty well. But what happened was we were short on a six on five. So they had pulled their goalie there in our end. I forget what started it off, but basically there was a pretty big scrum in the corner. Uh, and there was two of their guys and one of our guys. So I kind of went out and grabbed the guy. Uh, and then it kind of blew up from there. I don't know if it was a great decision. Uh, then I think Holtzy had to fight their tough guy. Yeah. Was, uh, oh, yeah, I do remember yeah. that. I was, he broke yeah. his nose bad. Yeah, oh, I and now, that. Yeah. Was that, was that of, Lyndon Springer on uh, Lakehead at the time? Yeah, and that's who I played with this year in uh, Glasgow. So we actually talked about this on the bus uh, Probably the same time we we're talking about the Nuber story, but he goes, "Were you there on that Lakehead when we uh, on that Carlton team when you played in Lakehead?" I said, "Yeah, I was the goal." And he goes, "Yeah, you got kicked out of that game, eh?" I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, I got in a fight with uh, your captain, beat him up pretty good. I think that was your fault." And I was like, "Yeah, I think so." I just remember I got kicked out of the game. I was up in the press box. We were losing like seven yeah, four. I played terrible. It wasn't a good night. And the uh, the guy who's up there doing media goes, uh, "I'm happy to kick that clean guy off." Uh, out of the game he was a goon he sucks and I was sitting two seats down I look I'm like I just walked in here with a suit like you know maybe you could think about me being a player like yeah yeah I don't expect you to know who I am but I just sat down right next to you like maybe think once or twice I kind of chuckled but it's fine I think out of that man uh the dub was it the Dubchak brothers that played up in Thunder Bay yes yeah one of them got in a fight and he, he didn't get kicked out and he ended up scoring or something and we were like uh like you that's cisu sports for you like the guy's throwing haymakers and he gets stays in the game and scores against us yeah you uh you never had a, a career fight in the oua right brett no i uh no i never did um I mean, we had we had a guy for that on our line. Yeah, we had Vanny. We had Vanny uh, as the security guard, but um, I mean, you know, when you're getting older, or when you know Mac and I were there, kind of just to to. I mean, honestly, every night I felt like Mac or me was, you know, taking a big hit one one of the nights, um, or guys were coming coming at us hard. Um, which is which is usually normal if if uh, you know for the top line or whatever. But um, I remember just just laughing about you know how how the these guys get away with so much stuff, and and that's when Marty would go off, right? If he sees one of us get need and there's no call and he's done, like he's just wires crossed. See you later. No one's home. But um, I mean, no, I don't. No, yeah. I never did fight. There's a there's an instance. There's an instance I remember we were in RMC and I mean, at that time it was a typical RMC night for us. It was like six or seven, nothing. And I went in on the four check and just sort of bumped a guy and we were slashing each other all the way back down the ice. We were way behind the play. Oh yeah. I and I turned that. around to him and he grabbed, he grabbed me by the sweater. I think there was like 
I don't even know, maybe three or four minutes left of the game. He grabbed me by the neck. And I vividly remember saying to him, you've got about four seconds until someone's going to grab you. And believe it or not, Vanny, like, blindsides the guy, whack. And I was just like, pop right. I told you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so Vanny and, I ended up, Vanny and I ended up getting kicked out. I didn't do anything. But, yeah, I was just – I mean, for guys like Welly and I, like even in a league where there's no fighting, just knowing that we have the space and going back to a guy like Fraze, like half of the half the penalty minutes might have been from him reacting to something happening to us. Like you never know, but it's always good to have those guys around no matter what. Because uh, like Welly said, there was some things in that league that guys sort of got away with and he never really wanted that to happen. I, I know there's a lot of teams that don't like playing Carlton for, for that reason that you guys are a physical team. And I think Sean Van Allen, the way he coaches now, really lends itself to, to Carlton continuing to be uh, a physical nuisance out there for a lot of teams. But for you guys, who did you least look forward to playing in the OUA? Ooh. Jeez. Uh, I think for me, the, my least favorite was Queens. Um, Really? Only because they were so solid defensively. Like, yeah. I remember even my first couple of years, we'd play them and it would be one nothing, 2-1 every game. And it's like, it was just so hard to score. And, you know, with Bales back there, I mean, I've seen him repeatedly stand on his head and they just had a good system and good coaching and they always stuck to it. And, uh, you know, I think they're still the same to this day. They're just, you know, they might not score the most goals, but they definitely probably give up the least in the league. How about for you, Brett? Yeah, I know Max Wright with Queens. I wouldn't say like they're hard to play against. They were just so structured, um, defensively hard. Like it's hard to go in Queens and and get get your cookies. And um, you know they played us really well too at Carlton. I think they usually beat us. To be honest. Um, yeah. Another one for me was Guelph. For some reason, I felt like Guelph was just a good team. Like just hard nosed. Um, yeah, we beat them that last game, but that was a tight game pretty much until I think the end of the second. Um, and then we had, a, I think we had an early one in the third, but, um, you know, they played really well. They were hard to play against and, um, tough rink to yeah, play in Guelph, tough rink. <clears throat> right. Well, yeah. with the, the Olympic size ice, right. I think Guelph's teams have always been, you know, ready to like, I, I think Sean Camp kind of recruits his team to be able to to play at, at home ice, but what, what was that like? Cause there's a couple teams, right. That play on Olympic size ice. Was that kind of weird for you guys going from your, your home rink at Carlton ice house to other rinks that weren't the same dimension? Well, I mean, plus going to RMC, which is like <laughs> not Shoe even ball. close to being regulated. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think there's obviously a benefit for them, but uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. They obviously just knew how to play in their rink. And, and well, said like they were sort of a hard nosed team, as well um but they could score and stuff too so i mean i don't think i ever won a game playing in guelph i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure we went winless while i was there yeah the thing the thing is like when i was in belleville i we were on olympic size ice and then when we went to other teams like owen sound and whatnot um you know it was a little change but what we'd we, what we would do if, if we were saying you know if we were going to sarnia or um owen sound for a, for a road trip, we or a, over just a day game, and you knew that the ice was going to be smaller because in the OHL at the time that was the only t- place that had a had an Olympic size ice. So we would practice the day before and pregame skate on a smaller sh- sheet, 
Um, and that was Burnett's way of, you know, kind of get us ready for a smaller uh, pad. I don't know if they do that. Um, but at home, it's a big advantage. I found, um, you know, teams come in and, you know, if they're, if they think that they're going to take the night off, cause there's a six feet difference from, from the board to yourself and, you know, yeah, if we're not ready, then it might be a little easier. But if, you know, if you're, if you're ready and you're on the Olympic size ice and it's, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for the opponents. For you, Patrick, uh, as a goalie, I, I know I don't know if you ever played in Windsor, but I know there's a couple or a couple rinks, and I know specifically at Windsor, the the, the pegs in the posts will not stay in, and I know for yeah. sure that there's goalies that'll sometimes take advantage of that. So, were, were you ever in a situation where uh, you maybe felt comfortable in a certain rink, whether it was the the dimensions or the angles, or were there other rinks that uh, that you didn't like playing in as much? Um, I, th I think the only rink that I really, truly disliked playing in was Concordia. And I think it was mostly just because of the team. I think most of the rinks were relatively in good shape and, and no problem at all. Uh, Queens was a, a tough one and, uh, within the old memorial there in the small dressing rooms. But I think Concordia, just because of the, the way they played, they were just so dangerous offensively and they'd find a way to get us to stop playing our game too and it would just be a back and forth 45 to 40 shots 6-5 game one way or the other and I think I got pulled my first game there four goals and I, I didn't love playing there but I think everywhere else was was fine I didn't have any issues at all <clears throat> well there's another game in specific guys I, I want to ask you about before we wrap this thing up because uh, we're we're over the the one hour mark now which uh, is great and I'm sure we could go on for at least another hour here on some stories but I, I want to ask in particular, Mike and, and Brett, you guys, about uh, Fiju games. Because we had a couple guys on the show last week, and Kevin Bailey and, and Nathan Charlitti, who were a part of that team. Uh, I remember being up at like 4 or 5 in the morning uh, to watch a couple of those games. Uh, some, I, I don't know why, because I remember you guys absolutely slammed, I think, Great yeah. Britain, like... 15 to nothing or something and, and Mike yeah. you, you were actually the uh, the leading scorer in that tournament for Canada you had 11 points uh for for Team OUA I guess but I'm curious to know when you guys went into that tournament did you know what you were getting into in terms of what the competition was going to be like at all um not really uh we knew that obviously it was very special to be there um you know we had heard that the Russians had a good team and the the Kazakhstan had a good team. And I mean, the Slovaks and stuff like that would obviously put good teams together, but then you obviously have the great Britons. I think there was a team from China. We didn't play them, but we watched them. They had like six and like guys. These guys had like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some guys had like white cages and black helmets and they basically just threw people on the ice. And, but uh, no, I mean, I, we knew once we passed through, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the round robin that, you know, obviously the the teams would be getting better. And we ran into that Russian team that was like, I forget, I think it might have been the second period. Welly and I, um, we didn't start the tournament together, but uh, they put us back and then they put the U, the UQTR guys back on a line and we were sitting on the bench and, and Welly goes, man, are we even supposed to be playing against these guys? Like, these guys are way too good. Well, so, they had a couple uh, guys that were in the KHL, I think, at the time, right? Oh, yeah, man. like, <laughs> it was eye-opening. Honestly, it was very eye-opening. Like, they were fast. They were big. Like, they were men. Their goalie was unbelievable. 
Um, but yeah, I think they just signed basically guys up for like one class at a Kazakhstan university so they could play sort of thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, once we got to the, to the medal rounds, it was definitely, uh, an opening experience, but, uh, obviously we came away with a bronze. And I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Mike, but I think I remember watching that semifinal game against Russia and it was pretty close, but it definitely looked like the Russians had the upper hand, but the, the score was close. And I think you hit the crossbar, uh, for what would have been a goal to tie the game, right? Yeah. I, or it might've been Welly. Did you, I don't know. Something happened, but I think I remember like half sellying and like, okay, I don't remember that. I'm pretty sure it was Mac. I think it would, have made- it would have tied the game. I, I think at the moment. Yeah, it would have made it 1-1, I think, or yeah. something like that. And Obviously, it was no goal. I, I don't know if they went upstairs or didn't review it, but, I mean, I think right after that, they scored again, and it was just sort of, like, deflating to us. But I do remember that. Yeah, I remember, like, half celebrating, and then it didn't really uh, didn't really pan out. Yeah, it probably wasn't me that night. I was dog shit from the get-go. <laughs> I, uh, I remember being so upset, and that was a really big point in my career where – um, <laughs> you know, I was, but you know, you gotta be accountable, right? I like being accountable with myself and, and up until that point, I kind of had the, um, and, and Mac will agree with this. Like him and I were, were, you know, on the OUA team, it was, it was, you know, Mac and I were, were standouts even, um, and then the UQTR guys I felt, and then, you know, that game came and, you know, I, I remember talking about it with Mac. I was so pumped. You know, how often you get to play a full team of Russians, right? Nothing you want to do more than beat Russians. And it was such a humbling experience that, that I went through because I just figured that they, they were going to roll over. You know, you got, a, you got a group of 22 misfits, essentially, on an OUA team that, you know, don't play pro but should be playing pro at, at, that, at that age. And, you know, to go play a full team of Russians and, and try and prove – the world right wrong or show them that what we could do and and show you sports and and other people what we could do but you know the score did not reflect it we got absolutely rolled over um Mm -hmm. and and what max said on the bench i remember looking at mac and i and i was like dude like help me out here man like you know this is the the highest level game i've ever played (laughs) that's definitely the first time i've heard welly like not have confidence in himself he was just like, man, like, are we, I'm not even supposed to be out here right now. No, I, I used, Mac, I used the lone survivor. Do you guys, you guys have yeah. seen lone survivor? What is, uh, what does he say where he's like, are they better Mikey, than us? Are, are they, are they faster than us? Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, Mikey, are they faster than us? Are they better? Like I was joking about it, but I was actually like, he knew there was truth behind it. And I remember Mac kind of just gave me like a pat on the back or like a squirt of water or whatever. And he's like, come on, Wally, we need you. We need you a big time player. Like kind of ramped me back up still pretty bad that game but um we uh we were lucky enough to still go to the to the bronze game against the uh against the checks and, and mac and i were and vanny were back on the line and we yeah. uh we dominated that game were there any guys on on that team or maybe it could even be the U sports all-star team because both you guys uh played in in that exhibition gamer series against uh, team canada as well but were there any guys that that uh, you were like, uh, I don't know about this guy, whether it was, you know, battles, maybe some of the UQTR guys, you didn't really know what to expect out of. And then you come away from a tournament thinking like, yeah, you know what? These guys aren't so bad after all. No, we, I mean, I, we were, I was fortunate enough to play. I played with Tommy Giroux and, uh, and um, Moran. Moran, um, yeah. What's, 
what's his first name? Moran? Patrick? Pierre Olivier Moran. Pierre. Pierre Anyways, Olivier. on UQ. He's in Denmark yeah, now, isn't Pierre. he? Yeah, And we were on uh, – mm-hmm. was in, Yeah, he played in Denmark last year in Alborg. Yeah. yeah, where Mac played, actually. Um, but uh, I played with them, and I actually had a really good relationship with them, not only on the ice but off the ice. Um, it felt like me, Mac, and, and Vanny, and Roach, too. Corey DeRoche was there. It felt like we were kind of the four that would, like, you know, initiate what to – like, hangouts and whatnot and, um, mm-hmm. you know, off-the-ice events and, um, you know, going for lunch together or, you know, doing something together. And those guys just it, – it, it, everyone just knew – everyone had a mutual respect of, of eliteness in the league. Um, even the McGill guys, Boutet. Um, Pompier, um, Olivier Hintz on, uh, on Concordia, those guys, I mean, uh, Aslan, like we were battling with them throughout the whole season. And then we were best friends at this Fiju. And I remember coming back and being like, you know, obviously when you get on the ice, there's no friends, but I think we ended up playing, uh, who'd we play that first round or who'd we play first round? Mac? We beat, did we beat McGill that year? Maybe. First round. It was our. It was my second year. Your. I don't remember who we played. It was my, that year. It was my last year. I don't remember. Either. I, I know you guys knocked out Nipissing one year, but I think that was the year before. No. Uh, yeah, that was our. That was first year. I think we played you. I think we played. I remember playing. Anyways, we played against guys that we had played against, and yeah, we've all done that, right? You play with a guy on a spring team, and then you play against them. But there was just like a, you know, that mutuality between you know we just just won a bronze medal together. It's it's bigger than whatever it's bigger than sports i guess but um you know we we still uh i still stay in touch with some of those guys even to this day how about you mike yeah i think the thing for me that that i took away from it was just like like well he said just the mutual respect and um you sort of put your own ego aside when you get a chance to play for canada and that's what i remember the most i mean we had aslan who the year before was the leading scorer in canada um he was chosen as the 13th forward on this team somehow, just in terms of chemistry and what the coaches saw. And he didn't say a peep. Um, you know, obviously just happy to be there, played when he was asked to play, ended up doing obviously well as anybody would expect. But just just being there and, and like having the chance to represent Canada, I think that was the biggest thing for everybody. Um, obviously it's a quick thing, but you got to become a family really quick. And like Wally said, um, <clears throat> I think the four Carlton guys were probably the most outgoing at start, but one guy that stood out for me was Boutet from McGill. Um, just a friendly, outgoing guy who basically wanted just to make everybody smile and make everybody happy every day. And, uh, yeah, it was just a great experience, obviously, and, and something that you'll never really forget. For you, Patrick. Other, other than Vanny and I getting deathly sick. That's true, too. That was, uh, yeah. Mid-tournament? There was about th- there was about three of us that got like extremely sick. And I remember we were playing team USA. It was like, we had got there and there was all this stuff going on ceremonies, um, you know, meetings with the, with the owner of it. And, and I was feeling good and practicing well. And, and then I just got an absolute bug. And I think Vanny, no Vanny got it. And I was exactly yeah. 12 hours after Vanny. So Vanny would do something in 12 hours right after I would do the exact same thing. Like you'd puke three times and then three hours later or 12 hours later, I was the same thing. Um, or maybe I was before him, but we ended up playing both together against team USA sick. And I remember just looking over at him and he was, he must've been a little after me cause he had it a little worse. I think I was feeling better than him on us and, or on the U S game. And 
Vanny was just pale as a ghost. And but he still, you know, again, you you put the ego aside and you do whatever you want to, whatever you can to win. And I remember Vanny, you know, I think he was the 13 forward that game, and he still still was an impact player. For you, Patrick, we had. Uh, oh, go sorry. ahead. Sorry, I, I just to want to tell it. a story about Vanny. Um, yeah. So Vanny, obviously, these guys know he's one of the best guys you'll ever meet. Hilarious, but. The opening ceremonies was basically the peak of Vanny's sickness, and he didn't want to miss <laughs> it. <laughs> so, uh, for these guys, Vanny sick, has man. this one. Vanny has this onesie that he always used to wear. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> so it's opening ceremonies. You you got to think there's twenty five, thirty thousand people coming into this arena. It's hot. Like we're told to wear like our Canada big parka hoodies, but once we got to our seat, basically everybody was taking them off. Danny had his onesie. He had winter <laughs> mitts. Like these, these mitts were huge. We're in Kazakhstan. It's freezing. He had a toque on. He had his winter park on. And I looked down and we're all up. We're up in like the third level. And I was roasting. And the opening ceremonies were magnificent. Like a show I've never seen before. Unbelievable. And I look at Danny and he is curled up in his seat. He's got his onesie pulled up above his mouth, and he's got his tooth down, and he's asleep. He's freezing. Like, I felt so bad for the guy. I was like, Vanny, like, are you all right, man? And he, I go, how? Like, what did you think of it? He goes, I didn't see a second of it. Like, I was just trying to stay warm, basically. And I was just like, oh, I, my God, man. But, yeah. I, and, I, and you know what? I felt for him because 12 hours ago, I was the exact same. And for somehow, I think I kicked it right before a ceremonies. But I remember staying with Vanny. Um, coach gave us instructions. I was like, you guys are both six, stay together. So all the boys go to the ceremony underneath the tunnel and I got Vanny. I'm pretty much babysitting this guy. Six, <laughs> six, three friggin' 220 pound baby. I'm babysitting. And I'm like, come on, come on, Ryan, let's go. Like, and, but he's just like, literally, he's like, bro, I'm not going. I can't go. I'm like, come on, man. Like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, let's have like, just have these pills that they gave us. So we ended up going and that's where Mac, and I remember looking at Mac laughing, but I was so mad at you guys because you guys were laughing and we were both sick as a dog. And it was just like, yeah, I was I'm like, like, man, if you guys get this, I can't wait to start laughing at you because this is the worst <laughs> feeling I've ever had. <laughs> man, good story. There's a lot of great stories from that tournament. Funny eh? how it works. I mean, it didn't last that long, yeah. but I mean, everyone I've talked to that, that played on the team has nothing but amazing things to say about that experience. So. Uh, Bijou game, certainly one of a kind. But Patrick, I, I've been meaning to ask you here. You're a guy, I mean, all you guys have played pro. Uh, I'm sure in England and, well, Great Britain, you must have come across a bunch of guys as well from your university hockey days, whether it's playing with or against them, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Even in Italy, I uh, played against quite a few guys um, that came from OUA. And, but especially in England with 14 imports, there's a cross paths with a lot of those guys. Anyone in particular that uh, – well, actually, you know, let, let me ask you this, because I know Mike McNamee has been playing over in, in the U.K. as well. Has he scored on you yet? Yeah, how many, Mike? You probably I had three on him this year. And, and how many games? Four or five. My first yeah, goal in the league not a great was look against Killer was sick. <laughs> yeah, I remember him coming down. Was that the one-timer? Yeah. Yeah, it was like a three-on-one, though, wasn't it? Yeah, three on two, killer. Yeah, <laughs> Any names in particular for you, Patrick, of guys that uh, maybe you've grown a little bit closer with um, that have, have also played university hockey since you graduated Carleton? Uh, not in particular. Um, 
I mean, when I was in Italy, I had the same imports uh, for both years there. Uh, two Swedish guys, uh, a guy from Latvia, and then my second year was a guy from out uh, west that was quite a bit older. And then in England, my first year, Milton Keynes, I think uh, I only had one guy that played uh, CIS, and he played out uh, east, uh, Nelson Armstrong. Maybe there was one or two more. And then in Glasgow, uh, it was Matt Stanish, who I played with uh, at Carlton, who I knew really well already, and Lyndon Springer, who played at Lake, Lakehead. And then we had a couple guys in and out. Um, uh, Sean Robertson came in. I uh, played Wolf. Uh, I think that was about it. So there, I really didn't get to play with too many guys uh, that I played against. Um, but obviously, it's such a small world. Uh, the hockey world's so small that I played against quite a few of those guys and, and enjoyed seeing them have success over there. All right, guys, we're, we're nearly an hour and a half into this, so I, I think uh, it's it's probably best we, we put a, a bow tie on it uh, for now. But, Matt, uh, you've been the glue guy for the Carlton Ravens. Uh, you've been the oh. glue guy on this podcast as well, coming in big time with uh, the footage of uh, Patrick Clinton <laughs> getting smoked in front of the net by, by Kyle Newber. So I will give the last word to you. Uh, tee us up a little bit for the future of the Carlton Ravens, because obviously the other three guys in this call were, were huge pillars uh, of success that the Ravens had in the, the mid-2010s. But I know you guys just came off a, a big regular season, obviously not the results you guys wanted in the playoffs this year against Concordia. But what's sort of the direction now for this program moving forward? Uh, well, I think it's definitely trending up. I mean, uh, this the year previous we went to Nationals and, and had a really good showing against the UNB team that I think, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't have given what? us a chance in that game if, if they had to look back on it. Um, and then from there, we, we had a, you know, we had a year this year where we weren't really sure what we were going to be. We knew we were going to be a strong team again, but um, we weren't really a hundred percent on how strong and we ended up having a historical uh, regular season and uh, just quick shout out to my goalies. They both had, uh, had great numbers as I'm sure you know, and Grammett uh, Bauer and Nichols, right? Yeah, so they both had had unbelievable seasons in the regular season, and uh, you know we went into playoffs and first first round it was a little shaky, and uh, we it, we just kind of squeaked through against uh, an RMC team that that gives us a lot of trouble usually, um, and then going to Concordia it was one of those series where you know it was it was a tight series, and obviously that that marathon game came came and went, and I think either team could have won that game, but you know I think whoever won that game was probably going to win a series. Uh, just the feeling that kind of you got watching it. Um, but moving forward, you know, we, we have a, a lot of our pillars coming back. We're losing a couple of the older guys like uh, Dahan and Boban and a couple of those guys stay. So big pieces, obviously, but you know, as, uh, as your program gets better, it gets easier and easier to recruit and, and Ottawa is a great city to live and play in. So it's, it's not difficult to get, you know, high end prospects to come to your program when, it's a great city. It's in a good spot. And, uh, you know, the school and academic side is good. And, and the, the program is run like, like a professional team. So it's, uh, you know, it just gets easier and easier and the, the snowball keeps rolling. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty hopeful. And, and from the goalie side, or the goalie standpoint of things, we have the same two guys, Nichols and Grandma Power coming back. Um, so from that point, like I'm, I'm ecstatic for, for hopefully getting back to what looks like a normal season, but I guess we'll see. Sure. Obviously, a, a lot to be determined in that. Uh, I'd also be remiss if I didn't shout out my buddy, Francois Broussard, a uh, friend of the show. I know a guy, Matt, that uh, you worked with for a long time too, right at Carlton? Yeah, Brass and I uh, played together. So funny story, just going back to that marathon game that the boys played against Saskatchewan. Was, 
one of the reasons I kind of remember this after, but one of the reasons I didn't go was because uh, we had Killer and Frankie and me, and we were bringing Brass in from pro, and I had broken my thumb the day that Brass got there. So Brass was going to be sitting out and redshirting, but I broke my thumb in practice. Uh, and so I was, and it was bad. Like I almost had to get surgery and it pretty much exploded. So, uh, brass ended up going as, as a third guy to the, to the nationals there, but we played together that year. And then I think two more, uh, or one more playing together. And then, uh, I ended up coaching him the following year. So it was, uh, we have a pretty good relationship. We talk every day pretty much. Um, so it's, uh, it's been good. Like it's a bit of a weird transition going from teammate to, to trying to, help coach someone but i think we have such a good relationship it's just it's pretty seamless i think that's a good way to end it matt and uh guys this has uh, been a real blast getting a, a bunch of the carlton boys on the podcast i know obviously a lot of great stories that we told i'm sure there's a lot more great stories uh that we could tell so hopefully uh, maybe we'll get a chance to do this again sometime in the near future but with this being the end of the episode i guess uh thoughts on bohemian pilsner from brock street which is uh, a great brewery in whitby ontario which i believe is the hometown of connor boland right yeah, is he he is. From he's, from, he's from Whitby. I don't know. He sort of disappeared after that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never <laughs> after heard the marathon game. I've never seen her. Yeah. I think he's again. a guy. I think he's a firefighter. In Halifax. Shoulder and then <laughs> I always wonder what happened. It was St. Patty's Day. We could have lost him that night. Yeah, he's he's still on there. Uh, is that George that, Street down there? What boys? That was a dangerous night. We were going <laughs> out. Wow. We, we were going out half. Oh my God, man! I was already. I had about. <laughs> I had about one sip of a gin and tonic, and I was blackout because I was so dehydrated from the game. So, <laughs> well, I remember going back. My best, one of my best friends, played for Saint FX, and they were the game after us. They didn't start the game till eleven. And yeah, we which is leaving, crazy. We were leaving our hotel um, to go to a bar. It was Saint Patty's night, and you know, green light, season's done, whatever, and. I think we went to a bar for like two hours, maybe with that sit down little one with the, like that pub area. And then on our way out to another one, we were going to yeah, on else, the water and I see all the guys on St. FX and suits coming to coming back from the game. I'm like, Holy crap. What time is it? It was like one <laughs> insane. Yeah. Halifax, fantastic city, terrific city, easy city to have fun in. And, uh, uh, perennially a great host for the, uh, the university cup. So anyways, uh, today's Bohemian Pilsner, honestly, I'm pleasantly surprised by this, fellas. If I had to rate it, I'd give it six out of eight Brent Gustafsons. So I, I, <laughs> overall, I would say that's a successful, successful show. The beer is that good. So that's like awesome. three normal people? You've got to get Gus just on this here alone. I, I've yeah, that's very smart I, I've heard many sure great things Gustafson. about Brent Gustafson. I know he's, he's a movie star in addition to being a hockey player, and uh, that guy was a yeah. hell of a buzzsaw, too. Did you play with him, Brent, when he was in, uh, in Belleville? Yeah, we were, we were always together. I, had, I, had, I knew the guy, but I had no idea. Like, I'd never spoke, spoken to him in my life. He's also, and, he's also a professional con artist. So, Yeah, be careful what he tries to sell you. He might charge you for, for uh, his time here on this, but... Um, <laughs> I think he goes right now at uh, 40 an hour, but um, no, he, I had no idea who he was. We, we knew each other, but I remember he added me on Instagram right when I got traded and he it was just him as an OA there. So he was all excited to have an OA and 
Um, you know, I show up there and first guy, me, he's standing in the hall. He's got his long johns on, no shirt. Hey man, how's it going? I'm Brett Gustafson. <laughs> and I just knew, I just knew right away that he was, yeah, he was a good guy. You know, he's a good team guy and he's, uh, he makes the boys howl. Yeah, he's special. <laughs> there, there's a lot of those guys certainly in, uh, in university hockey. I think that's what makes it so much fun, at least from my perspective, to be able to cover this league for five years. But uh, certainly for players, I'm sure makes it a lot more fun to be a part of uh, the journey. And guys, uh, thanks for, for doing the show today. I know uh, well, some of us don't have a lot of time on our hands like me. Other guys like Brett Wilichka have moved mountains to make uh, this happen today uh, and join me on the show. So very thankful for that. And thanks so much for being a part of the show, guys. Thanks, boys. Yeah, thanks, yeah, boys. Thanks good seeing you. Thanks, safe, Victor. Boys. You're doing a really good thing here. Keep it going. Really appreciate it, guys. So that just about does it for episode number four of Breaking News and uh, Crack and Brews. We'll be at this again sometime uh, soon, hopefully here within about a, a week and a half. Again, this format seems to be really going well, so I think we're, we're going to keep it cooking with, uh, with the Zoom calls moving forward. Of course, you can listen to this uh, podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes as well if you're not watching on YouTube. But uh, for the sake of the footage today provided by Matthew Jenkins, I think uh, YouTube is certainly the way to go. So a big thanks once again to Patrick Lean, Mike McNamee, Brett Walichka, and Matthew Jenkins. Uh, and look forward to doing this again sometime soon. Until next time, everyone, take care, farewell, and good day from Oshawa.